0: Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuah. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were named were Asherim, Latushim, and Lumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephor, Hanoch, Abida, and Eldat. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts— the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Lahiroi. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Adbeel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Timah, Jetur, Nafish, and Kedama. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names, by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt, in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. Well, as we get ready to look at that together, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we thank you for your word, uh, and we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit as uh, we read it, and we pray that um, as we look at it now, uh, that you would be at work in our hearts, uh, revealing more of who you are. And what it means to trust you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you grew up in church, uh, I wonder if you can recall your Sunday school days. Uh, Maybe like me, you remember kicking off each uh, Sunday with a few songs. Uh, And uh, if you were to drop a list of uh, Sunday school bangers, um, I wonder what you would have on that list. Uh, I remember belting out, be bold, be strong for the Lord your God is with you, uh, or the classic hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. Uh, But perhaps right at the top of the list for many of us would have to be, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that God cannot do. For any kid who grew up in Sunday school, in Scotland at least, uh, that one will be etched on the brain. But I have a wee bit of an issue with it, uh, and I may be about to cause some controversy. The words, there's nothing that God cannot do, they're not technically true. Uh, Recently, I've been reading this book by Nick Tucker, 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. Uh, It's been a really great read, and one of the chapters in the book focuses on the fact that God can't lie, that he always keeps his promises. And that's a wonderful truth to take to heart that that certainly ought to help us sleep at night, that the promises that God has made to his people, he always keeps them. And as we close out our series in the life of Abraham today, that is the resounding message of these verses that God keeps his promises, that he cannot lie. It's the reason that we can have hope and confidence, whatever it is that we might uh, face in life, but also when it comes to facing death. And that's where we pick things up in Genesis 25. Here at the end of his life, we see how. God had remained faithful to his promises to Abraham, the promises that he made to Abraham all those years ago when he first called him back in Genesis chapter 12. Now, there are a lot of names in that account. Uh, There's a genealogy, a a family tree, either side of the narrative of Abraham's death. Uh, We're told in verse 1 that Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. And then we're given a list of names of of children that Keturah bore to Abraham and a list of their children. And then in verse 12 to 18, we're given a list of the children that were born to Abraham's son, Ishmael. Now, that's a lot of names. Uh, a few tongue twisters there trying to read through them. But why are they all there? Well, by placing them either side of the account of Abraham's death, we are drawn to see God's faithfulness to his promises. Back in chapter 12, verse 2, we see God's initial promise to Abraham. He says there, and I will make of you a great nation. And that's a promise that we see reaffirmed throughout the Abraham story. God repeats it again, and again, that Abraham would be the father of so many descendants that he wouldn't even be able to count them. And here in Genesis 25, we see that promise already being fulfilled. Already, the nations are beginning to be formed from their father Abraham. God was faithful to his promise. God can't lie. And this was a promise that that God had kept despite failure and disobedience on Abraham's part. Verse 12 reminds us of the most uh, shameful incident probably in Abraham's life. Um, As we read, as we're reminded of Hagar and Ishmael, uh, uh, when when Abraham and Sarah tried to take matters into their own hands, instead of trusting in God's promise of a son, they, they exploited Hagar. At Sarah's instruction, Abraham he, he slept with Hagar. And Ishmael was the result. It was, it's a dark, dark moment in, in Abraham's life. Maybe you can remember back to when we looked at it together, where, where Abraham failed to trust in the promises of God, where he caused hurt and harm to others. And yet, despite his failure, God remained faithful to his promise. At the end of Abraham's life, we read verse 5, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. Despite trying to take matters into his own hands, despite his failure to trust God, God in his grace had kept his promise. He had given him the promised son, Isaac, who had brought joy and laughter to, to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. And at the end of his life, Abraham showed his commitment to to God's promise of a people by giving everything that he had to Isaac, not to his other sons. He knew that it was Isaac who God would fulfill his purposes through, and he was willing to stake everything that he had on God's covenant commitment to him. Uh, we read in verse 11 that after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Lahai Roy. So, so, it's clear in this passage that, that Isaac is the son of promise, a living, breathing testimony of God's commitment to His people despite their failures, despite their sinfulness. Isn't that incredible? You know, Abraham had sinned terribly on more than one occasion. He had been faithless. He'd exploited Hagar, and the consequences of his sin were catastrophic and far-reaching. But even so, God was gracious. He kept His promise to Abraham. At the end of his life, he was blessed to be buried by the very son that God had promised him, this son of promise. Amidst his people's failures, God is faithful. And that's because God always keeps his promises. He can't lie. When we're mired in sin and shame, and we think that there's no way out, We can remember this. We can remember God's total commitment to His promises. He promises to hear the cry of all who call on Him. It's that glorious truth that inspired the words of the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. John Newton wrote that hymn out of profound personal experience. A former slave trader, he cried out to God for mercy in the midst of a storm, and that night his life was transformed. He knew what it was to be a wretch who had experienced the glorious relief of God's amazing grace. The Bible is full of promises of mercy, promises of forgiveness, promises of faithfulness for anyone who would cry out to God, for anyone who would receive them. In Psalm 34, we read, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, That is how far He removes our transgressions from us. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. These are all promises that are made to sinful people, people who'd failed, people who had fallen short of God, people like you and me. And there are promises that can be ours if we would trust. The clear, consistent message of the Bible is that there is no one, absolutely no one, who is too far gone, who cannot cry out to God, and know His saving grace. No matter who we are, uh, no matter what we've done, the promises of God are sure and certain, and they are for anyone. And that's true whether this is the the first time you've ever walked through the doors of a church, or whether you've been a Christian for years. See, often as Christians, uh, we can live beneath the level of our privileges. Uh, We can lose sight of the promises of God. In his book, The Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan paints a picture of a man with a a muckrake digging around in the dirt looking for treasure. And he's so focused on the dirt that he doesn't lift his head to see a man standing there with a glorious golden crown. You know, we can spend so much time with our eyes down in the dirt, Desperately seeking the the treasures that this world has to offer or or consumed by guilt or regret or overcome by life's burdens. Instead of lifting our eyes to see the glorious promises of the gospel, promises that speak of the, the privileges that we have as God's beloved children, Promises of forgiveness, promises of care and provision, promises of immeasurable riches that last for eternity, riches that are kept in heaven for us. And it's that promised eternal hope that gives us confidence in the face of death. It's that promise that was Abraham's confidence. If you look with me at verse 7, These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. Uh, If you were here a few weeks ago, maybe you'll remember uh, we studied uh, Genesis 23, and uh, we saw how Abraham went to great expense to secure a burial site in Canaan. And we saw that the, the reason that he did that was because he trusted God's promise that one day that land would belong to his descendants. As his body was laid in the ground, it was a visible demonstration of Abraham's trust in God's promise, even though he personally didn't get to see its fulfillment. At the end of his life, despite all his ups and downs, Abraham displayed in life and in his death, his faith in the promises of God. Now, some of you may be sceptical uh, about the wisdom of staking your life on a promise. Maybe you've had promises that were made to you that were broken, and you're still affected by the hurt that that has caused. Maybe it's made it difficult for you to trust people, and maybe you're not sure about trusting God. How can we, be, how can we really be sure that, that God will keep his promises? Well, because God can't lie. In the letter to the Hebrews, we read in chapter 6, verse 18. And if you want to turn there, it's page 1004 in the church Bibles. And it says there in verse 18 of chapter 6 of Hebrews that it is impossible for God to lie and it's in the context of of speaking about God's promises to Abraham. Uh, Go back to verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 6. We read there, "'For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise.'" To hold fast to the hope set before us. And by way of explanation, Nick Tucker writes on these verses, if the God who cannot lie has gone so far as to swear an oath on himself to secure that promise, then there is nothing firmer or more real imaginable. God swearing an oath on himself is the most wonderful, virtuous circle. His Word is already infinitely trustworthy, but He wants us to be so secure in His promise that He multiplies infinity by infinity and says, you can trust me this much. Whatever happens in our lives, whether it's the loss of a job uh, or the death of a spouse or the shattering of a reputation, God's promises will never fail they will always be secure. And that's true even when we face the final journey of death. We can have confidence that on the other side, there is a sure and certain hope of an eternal future because the promises of God have been fulfilled in His promised Son, Jesus. Throughout His ministry, Jesus made numerous promises. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he promised rest for the weary. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John chapter 6, verse 35, he promised satisfaction, fulfillment. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In John chapter 6, verse 38, he promised that he would accept anyone who comes to him All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And in John 11, verse 25, he promised eternal life for anyone who believes. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he secured that promise when he went to his death on the cross and then rose again, just as he had repeatedly promised that he would. As God the Son, he kept every promise that he ever made because he's God, and it's impossible for him to lie. And it's because of who he is that we can echo the certainty of Paul in Romans 8 verse 38, where he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How can we be sure that promise will be kept? Well, because in Jesus, the son of promise, God has shown us that he cannot lie. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the promises that you made to Abraham. Promises that he trusted in. Promises that have been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ promises that we can take hold of today. Pray, Lord God, that you would give us a deeper confidence in those promises, that they are unfailing, that they are unshakable, that they are sure and steadfast, that we would take great comfort from this thing that you cannot do, that you cannot lie. So, help us to trust you. By your Spirit, would you give us a deeper confidence in the reality of what you have said and what you have promised. And as we come to the table to take bread and wine, we thank you for that visible uh, reminder of those promises that you've made to us in Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.